reaching Israel and the world. Shalom Aleichem, peace to you, beloved ones. Welcome today. Han, so good once again to be with you in ministry. We're going to be continuing today in a series called Messianic Prophecy. And you've been with me now for almost 40 years, and you've seen some of the intense rejection that I faced as a Jewish believer in Jesus, even by my own people. And as you know, one of the reasons that I've been able to stay strong and stay bold is because I see how Yeshua fulfills the Hebrew Scriptures. Yes, yes, yes. Boy, we need that, don't we? We need to know the depths and the roots of what we believe. We need to have it, our faith solidified. Mm. You know, that it's not the faith in Jesus isn't just a New Testament thing that, you know, a phase of something that's coming and then going. But this is rooted back to creation. Amen. It's rooted all the way back to the Old Testament and, and all the prophesi prophecies that were prophesying that Yeshua Jesus was going to come. And, and so it's a beautiful thing to step back, look at the big picture, mm -hmm. that who we are and what we believe has such deep roots and it strengthens us to know it's true. Amen, honey. You said it in a nutshell right there. So I'm believing right now, beloved ones, that your faith will be strengthened, that your spiritual spine will be brought into even greater alignment. Cynthia and I love you. God bless you and shalom. Baruch Hashem, beloved ones, bless the name of the Lord. I'm continuing a series today on Messianic prophecy. I'm in season one of this series, and this is the third episode in season one. Now, I'm not going to do a lot of review today. I really want to encourage you, go back and watch the first two episodes, because I laid a very important ground there. And I've been talking about the fact that Messianic prophecy comes in many shades and colors. So without further ado, I'm going to go right back to pick up where I left off last week. I'm talking about types and shadows in the Hebrew Bible and how Yeshua fulfills Israel's history by living out their same history in his own life and ministry. Last week I talked about the blood and the importance of the blood as it related to Israel's redemption as recorded in the Tanakh or the Old Testament. And why it is so important that when Yeshua was on the cross, they took the spear and put it in his side so the blood came out. When you understand how the blood played the role that it did in Israel's redemption, in atonement in the Hebrew Bible, you can so appreciate why Jesus had to die on the cross and why it was so important for his blood to be shed. But that was last week's episode. I encourage you to go back and watch that. Today we're going to begin by looking at the concept of messianic prophecy being fulfilled to what I call the principle of a mediator. Again, much of messianic prophecy is not about Jesus fulfilling some long-awaited future prediction, but rather much of messianic prophecy is about how Yeshua filled Israel's past history up with meaning. And so by that I mean this. When we look at the way that the Lord was able to relate to, to, to His people Israel in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible, He did it through a mediator. He did it through the priesthood. 
In other words, an individual Israelite, an individual Hebrew, could not just offer their own sacrifice anywhere. They had to bring their sacrifice to a Levitical priest, and the priest could not just offer the sacrifice anywhere, he had to offer the sacrifice in the temple. Now, this is important to understand in our culture today, because we're living in a culture, as I shared last week, that is putting a lot of pressure on believers to conform to political correctness. And political religious correctness is to take a posture that basically says, you know what, uh, Jesus is good for me, but I'm not insisting that you need to believe in Jesus. That's the attitude of political correctness, that my faith is no better than your faith. Your faith, although it's a completely different kind of faith in another world leader or some type of Eastern religion, that path is just the same as my own. You're just taking a different way. That's political correctness. But the Bible is very exclusive. And Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, that I'm the Messiah, that I am who I say I am, you will die in your sins. My point is that when you understand how Yeshua fulfilled messianic prophecy, and when you then look at the claims of Jesus, you're not going to be able to take a, a, a position like that. Because you're going to know either Jesus is the only way, or he's no way at all. Because he claimed to be the only way. He's either who he said he was, he's crazy, or he was a liar, as C.S. Lewis said, liar, lunatic, or Lord. Messianic prophecy grounds us to believe, yes, he is who he said he is. Because it's obvious that the one God is the God of the Jewish people. When you look at Israel, when you look at the supernatural quality of the nation of Israel, of the amount of Nobel Prizes that Jewish people have won, the amount of medical breakthroughs, scientific breakthroughs, how they've uh, risen to the top of every field, and you look at the fact that they're only one-fifth of one percent of the world's population, how can you explain that? Other people groups have come and gone. The Babylonians have come and gone. The Medes have come and gone. The Persians have come and gone. And I could go on and on and on. But the Jewish people are still here today in their own nation, speaking Hebrew. And so the fact that this has happened shows us that what the Bible tells us about the God of Israel and about the Jewish people is true. And what the Bible tells us is that the Messiah of the Jewish people is Jesus. Even though right now traditional Judaism rejects him, we're going to find out that the Hebrew Bible predicted that as well, that, they pre that it predicted that they would. So when you see how Yeshua fulfills the messianic prophecies of the Hebrew Bible, knowing that the God of the Hebrew Bible is the one true God, it will give you faith to be able to stand with Jesus and to be able to say he is the only way to God, even when there's so much cultural oppression against your position. Beloved, we can't back down. The Bible says we need to hold on to our confidence. And if we endure with our confidence, there's a great reward for us. But the scripture also says, 
To him whose soul shrinks back, the Lord says, I have no delight in him. And so my prayer for you is that this study on messianic prophecy will gird you, will strengthen you, will give you the spiritual equipment that you need to stand as a bold and a strong witness, even when most of the culture tells you that you have no right to claim that Jesus is the only way. And so, I'm talking about the principle, getting back to my point, of a mediator. In the Hebrew Bible, anybody could not just come to God any way they wanted to. They could not just pre present their own sacrifice anywhere they wanted to. They had to present their sacrifice to the one true God, the God of Israel, yud heh vav -Heh, the Hebrew letters of his name, through the mediator of the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood. And when people just offered sacrifices any way they wanted to, any place they wanted to, judgment came upon them. And so Yeshua fulfills this concept of the mediator because the scripture says in the Brick Hadashah, the New Testament, that there is one mediator now between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In other words, Israel, who is a shadow of how all humanity can relate to God, could only relate to Hashem, to the Creator, through a mediator. I want to really stress this today because we're living in a culture that believes that anybody can come to God their own way. But what the New Testament teaches and what the Hebrew Bible showed us is that we can't all just come our own way. We have to come through a mediator. In the Hebrew Bible, the Lord told the children of Israel to build a tabernacle, a mishkan. And all around the mishkan, there were walls. And there was only one way to enter the mishkan where the presence of the Lord dwelt. And it was a door. And Yeshua said, I am that door that door into the Mishkan, into the temple, that led ultimately to the priest going to be able to go for you into the Holy of Holies. There was only one door in, and Yeshua said, I am the door. Beloved, Yeshua is the mediator. If people wanted to meet with God, in the Hebrew Bible, they had to come to the Mishkan. They had to come to the tabernacle. They had to come to the temple. They had to present their offering through a priest. It had to be a blood sacrifice if you, people could afford the animal. And so it is in the person of Yeshua. He is prophetically fulfilling all those types and all those shadows. So again, let me say finally and once again, to a culture that is teaching that everybody has their own path to God. One believes in Jesus, one believes in Muhammad, one believes in Buddha, one believes in the New Age, one believes in some guru, one believes in some rabbi. They're all the same. Everybody has their choice. They're all leading to the same place. We say emphatically, no, no, no. Yeshua said, I am the way. He that enters through me shall be saved. He that tries to come in another way is a thief and a robber and will be cast out. The Hebrew Bible taught us the principle that there needs to be a mediator. The priesthood was the mediator and that the sacrifices had to be offered by the Levitical priests, the mediators, in the temple. So to Yeshua fills these two shadows up with meaning by saying, I have become the ultimate mediator. The Levitical priesthood is fulfilled in me. This is, by the way, what the book of Hebrews, beloved ones, in the New Testament is all about, how Yeshua fulfills the Levitical priesthood, 
how he fulfills the blood sacrifices. And finally, in relation to this, Yeshua said as he pointed to the temple, to his hearers, 2,000 years ago, he, 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 he said, you see the temple, he said. And then he said, in three days, he said, I'm going to rebuild it. It's going to be destroyed, he said, and I'm going to rebuild it. And they said, this man thinks he can rebuild the temple in three days? And the scripture says, they didn't realize that when Yeshua said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll rebuild it, they didn't realize that Yeshua was talking about his own body. That Yeshua has become the temple. He has become the place. He has become the person. He has become the one that we must go to and go into if we're going to have fellowship with Hashem, with Father God. Even as Israel of old had to come to the temple three times a year during the pilgrim feast to meet with Hashem, to offer their sacrifices there, to have fellowship with them. Even as the children of Israel came to the ancient temple, which has now been destroyed, and it's been destroyed for about 2,000 years, so too now, in order to have fellowship, we need to come, not to bricks and stone, but to the one who is the temple, in the spirit, Yeshua HaMashiach, beloved. name I break every power right now King Jesus out of this son's life have you ever asked Jesus into your life before okay first time okay to say Jesus Jesus yes it's okay it's good it's good it's good it's all right praise God in Jesus name in Jesus name every demon must go it's okay I want you to repeat after me Lord Jesus Christ, I give my life to you now forever. All right, okay. Okay, now what I want you to do, praise the Lord. We can have one of your pastors here just take this, son, this new son in the Lord. And I want you just to lead him through a prayer of, a prayer of repentance. When he was ministering, the one man was shaking. There was an anointing on him that made the demons flee. He went back home really happy. Free and joyful. Has your faith been built up and your passion renewed through Rabbi's teaching from the Old and New Testaments? Are you receiving revelation today that is bringing you a brighter tomorrow? If you've been blessed by the teachings of Rabbi Schneider, we would like to invite you to partner with us in reaching Israel and the world. Visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835 to join in our mission to equip the body of Christ, build the church, and evangelize the world. Your help extends the reach of discovering the Jewish Jesus into places we could never touch without your partnership. Together, we are making a difference and preparing the way for the return of King Jesus. Now, one of my favorite messianic foreshadows 
in the Hebrew Bible is the binding of Isaac, the Akedah, the Ha'akedah, the binding of Isaac. We read about it in Bereshit or Genesis chapter 22. And I want to point out several themes in this biblically epic story that point to and are fulfilled in Father God and in Yeshua. First of all, I'd like to point out that oftentimes when we look at the story of Abraham offering up Isaac, his only son, and we, we think about that story, the hero of the story in many of our minds, first of all, is Abraham, Abraham, who in complete obedience offered up his only son, Isaac, to Father God. An act of total dedication, an act of total surrender. And this is where the story begins. Even as uh, Abraham withheld nothing, so Father God withheld nothing, and he sent to us his only son. But I want to share with you now another layer to the story that perhaps some of us have not considered. When you and I have seen portraits or pictures of this event where Abraham offers up Isaac as a sacrifice, the paintings or the portraits, the prints that we've seen, usually show Isaac as a young boy, maybe 11 years old or less. But did you know, beloved ones, according to rabbinic Judaism, when Avraham offered up his son Yitzhak, Isaac, Isaac was actually, listen, not a little boy, but rather he was 37 years old. And when you consider that Isaac, a full-grown man at 37 years old, willingly laid on the wood to be offered up to the God of Israel as a sacrifice, about to lose his life in obedience and in trust, when you consider that Isaac willingly did that at 37 years old, you can see how Isaac is also the hero of the story. And so you think about Isaac's total willingness to give his life in, unto his father at his father's direction. You can see there Jesus himself foreshadowed in Isaac how like Isaac, who willingly offered up his life to the father in obedience, his father being Abraham, so too Yeshua, a full-grown man at 33 years old, willingly offered his life on the execution stake to be put to death for our sins in obedience to the Father. It's also very critical to understand that according to rabbinic tradition, this act, the binding of Isaac, it opened up a channel for God's grace to come to all of Israel's future generations. The rabbinic teaching is that before the Akita, before the binding of Isaac, God's grace was shut off from the world in a very significant way. But Abraham's act of obedience and Isaac's act of surrender opened up a channel in spiritual space for the grace of God to now flood the earth and to come into the nation of Israel. You see, this concept of an innocent one dying for the guilty and through the innocent one's death, atonement is made, is very much a part of the rabbinic tradition. And we see this evidenced in the Brichad Shah in the New Testament. Let me say it again. I'm really talking about two things. Number one, I'm talking about this act of the father uh, offering up his son, Isaac, and how this event opened up a channel for God's grace to come into the nation of Israel. 
number one. And number two, the fact that the concept of an innocent one dying in the guilty one's place, a righteous man, because Isaac was considered a righteous man, the concept of a righteous man, a sadiq, dying in the place of the guilty has for many, many ages been in the mindset of rabbinic Judaism. And we see this evidenced even in the Brich Hadashah, even in the New Testament, in John chapter 11. I'm going to go there with you now. And you're going to see how this rabbinic mindset of how a, uh, a, a righteous sadiq, a righteous man who dies in the place of the guilty of the nation, in the account that we just looked at, it was Isaac dying in the place of Israel. Even though Isaac didn't actually die, he was willing to die, and Abraham was willing to surrender him. So God counted it as if Isaac did die, and in that, a channel of God's grace was opened up to all of Israel's future generations. We see this same mindset, this same type of rabbinic thinking in the Brich Hadashah, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Verse number 49, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Hear the word of God. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you, listen to this now, that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Now he did not say this on his own initiative, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua was going to die for the nation. So do you understand this concept? This concept that a sadiq, a righteous man, could die on behalf of the nation. That a righteous man's death atoned for the people. We see this, first of all, in the binding of Isaac, because even though Isaac didn't actually die because they were both willing, Abraham and Isaac, to go through with the act. Hashem, God, counted it as if it did happen. And as a result of this, the rabbinic mindset has been that when this happened, a channel of God's grace opened up to the entire nation of Israel. And in fact, they teach that the grace of God was shut off until this event, the binding of Isaac. And in a similar way, where we see a righteous one getting ready to die for the people of Israel and the whole world, we see the high priest prophesying the same concept that we just read in John 11, where he was saying to the other priest, you guys don't know anything, you don't understand, it's expedient that one man, meaning Yeshua, die on behalf of the whole nation so that the whole nation doesn't have to perish. The concept, beloved, in rabbinic Judaism and in the Torah of how one man can die for a whole nation, for a whole people, in Yeshua's case, for the whole world. It's called propitiatory sacrificial atonement. An innocent one could die in the place of the guilty, and by virtue of that, the guilty are made righteous. You see, beloved, messianic prophecy is ultimately about how King Jesus fulfills the entire Torah, and beyond the Torah, the Psalms and the prophets as well. This is Rabbi Schneider saying I love you, and I look forward to being with you again, God willing, next week. Baruch Hashem and Shalom. Shalom, beloved. 
I'm reading from the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 41. And he, speaking of Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. It's interesting to note here that God in the flesh was actually watching how people were responding to his love with their finances. And you know what? He's doing the same with you and I today. We need to honor the Lord appropriately with our wealth. If he is using discovering the Jewish Jesus to feed you and bless you, beloved, it's appropriate and biblical to honor God through discovering the Jewish Jesus with your finances. I want to simply ask you to do this. If the Holy Spirit is nudging you now, kind of knocking at your heart to honor God with your financial gift through discovering the Jewish Jesus, beloved, just be obedient. I'm promising you there's always a blessing for obedience. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com, call 1-800-777-7835, or text the keyword RABBI to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have been faithful to the Lord with our finances while living. For those of you who like to remember the Lord in your finances when you go to heaven, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. I'm on the Mount of Olives and I want to close the broadcast today by speaking the blessing that Father God said should be spoken over his people. In the book of Numbers chapter 6, the Lord told Moses and Aaron, speak these words over my people and I will place my name upon them and bless them. Yahweh Vaishmarecha Yair Yahweh Panavelecha Vihunecha Yisa Yahweh Panavelecha Veasem Le Shalom. May Father God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord your Father lift you up by his countenance. And Father God is going to continue as beloved child to give you his peace. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Tune in next week as Rabbi continues his exploration of how Jesus' life, death, and dynamic impact in the world were foreshadowed in the Old Testament.